Houston, it's rodeo time. Your local Tacova store is the place to go for the finest handmade cowboy boots, jeans, belts, cowboy hats, and apparel for men and women. If you've never owned boots before, let them help you get your first pair like they did for me. Stop by one of your local Houston Tacova stores and get ready for the rodeo with their understated approach to Western. Whether it's your first rodeo or your seasoned pro, your local Tacova store is the place to go for rodeo season. Tacovas, don't go gently. USPS delays have been a complete disaster, but we might finally know why. And y'all, a thief has struck again and his targets have been grocery stores. Also, what's something that's normal in Houston but seems weird to outsiders? Newsletter editor Brooke Lewis and I catch you up on the news you might have missed. It's Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. I'm the executive producer, Dina Kispe, in for Rahil Ramran Ali, and here's what Houston's talking about. Brooke. All right, before we dive into all the stories that we've got, I have to ask you, you know, Bluebell dropped their new flavor. Everyone's excited. As we heard Entrecell say last Friday, she's super excited. <laughs> I want to know, what is your all-time Bluebell flavor favorite? Okay, so I'm just a simple Bluebell fan, but it's because I'm lactose intolerant, as some oh, listeners probably no. know. <laughs> but I do just like a simple vanilla bluebell flavor that I mean that and I'll add some like other toppings to it you know I might add like okay. some sprinkles or my own little oreo kind of crumble mix in but I'm like I I do I wish I could love bluebell that's kind of my thing like <laughs> I wish I could love it but I just can't because it hurts my stomach every time but I I do like I'm like a bluebell by association fan <laughs> okay fair see I I too have like a dairy intolerance but I still put my body yeah, through that because it's so good <laughs> and I have to go with their pistachio almond one I don't Ooh. know if you've ever tried it but it is so good it is so so good it just might be my cheat it's just because now there's so many other dairy-free alternatives <laughs> that taste still like really good so that's why I feel a little less guilty that I can't have bluebell but I'm like I wish I could I, w I would eat it like every day because I remember loving it when I was growing up as a child. Hey, this is our pitch to Bluebell to come out with the same flavors, yet <laughs> make it lactose intolerant friendly. <laughs> yes. And that new flavor looks so good. I'm like that. Uh, that made me want to have a cheat day and just like <laughs> have my stomach hurt. <laughs> I don't know. I stand by what I said last week. I'm still on the fence. Cinnamon ice cream stuff, it just tastes fake to me. So I, I don't know. No, I don't know. But I don't want to. so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's dive into the biggest stories that people might have missed. Kick us off, Brooke. Okay. So on my end, this is going to really pique people who care about animals in Houston, their interests. This has been an ongoing issue of just overcrowding at shelters across Houston and there might be a solution coming, although it's going to take a little bit of time, but a new shelter is going to be built by the city by 2027. And it's going to cost $44 million, but I think it's worth it based mm. on all the overcrowding that's been happening for I animals. Yeah. And this new shelter could house 27,000 animals by the time it opens in 2027. And that's a really good amount. And they're also thinking about opening a satellite uh, shelter kind of between Westheimer Road and Buffalo Bayou. So more 
you know, on the west side of Houston. So that I think that's another area that that would be a really good place to put an animal shelter. So I hope that kind of eases some people who have been worried about that problem, their minds on the issue. Yeah, like even my mom, she is basically, we call her the cat lady because she has so <laughs> many stray cats coming to her house to feed. And every every week it's like a new one. And I'm always like, how many cats do you actually have? Like she has three that sh- that actually live in the house, but then she has a ton of stray cats. And this is in Sugarland. So I'm hoping that this is just the first of many to come. And like 44 million is not it's not something small, right? No, yeah. So I wonder how much it would take to open more and across the greater Houston area. Right, right. And this is like through city resources. So I wonder kind of what resources Mm -hmm. the suburbs has to do something like this because it's a problem that extends all the way into the suburbs. And there's so many people who adopted animals over the pandemic and then kind of just realized it didn't fit with their lifestyle. So they've had to return those. So I think that's also caused overcrowding at shelters. So it's a huge problem. Um, But it's also like, you know, where's the money going to come to fix the issue? I agree. Yeah. So for me, the big story, and this was what I read in Houston Landing, it's about Darius and Lowndes' story. I don't know if you're like familiar with it. This is the first time I'm hearing of it. To be honest, I haven't followed the story. But you know, he was a student in 1983 at the Texas Southern University. It was a normal day for him. He was like baking pies on campus. And then police placed him at a violent robbery turned murder of Richard Bowen on Rice University's campus. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just like his life just went downhill from there. He had jailhouse informants who had disputed evidence that basically led to his conviction. And he's been fighting it for over four decades now. And he's kind of just been sitting in limbo not knowing where it's going to go. And he hasn't broken the fact that, you know, he still stands by that he's innocent. He's like, I'm not going to apologize for a crime I never committed and stands by the fact that he did not commit this crime. Now, he is getting help from his family, from different nonprofit organizations to try to kind of help overturn the case. But he's kind of just hitting so many different walls. And I just thought this was such a crazy story because like fighting for your freedom for 40 years is just crazy. It's crazy. And still having like hope that, okay, someday I'll get out. You know, he, he was up for parole, was denied because this was like a super violent crime. And April apparently is the date where things could change for him. We're not really sure where that's going to go, but I highly recommend everyone keep track of what's going to happen because his next parole hearing is in April. Yeah. Those stories are always so crazy to me of just people being kind of at like they're put at the wrong place at the wrong time, even if mm-hmm. they weren't there. And then also they're having to dispute evidence for so many years. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they themselves believe that they're not guilty, but they're from the, you know, the judge's eyes, they are. And they're just mm-hmm. kind of stuck in this limbo pattern. But I'm always intrigued by those stories because I just think and then when they come out, that the person, you know, the convictions overturned and they get out. It's also like it's, so it's, a, it's a happy moment, but it's also sad because they've spent, you know, years mm-hmm. of their yeah. lives locked away. And so they've missed a lot of their lives for maybe even a crime that they didn't commit. So that that's mm-hmm. always crazy. Crazy. Yeah. What changed really the trajectory of his whole case was this call that came in 2021 where the informant that originally said, 
you know, that provided whatever evidence was needed to basically convict Elam, he actually said, I lied, which I thought wow. was just wild. Whoa. Like, how do you not just right there and then be like, okay, we got to toss this out? Oh my gosh. You know, that, and yeah. Yeah. And all these, a lot of these cases affect people of color, which is mm-hmm. also, you know, really sad. And I think that, you know, more attention is being brought to these kind of cases. And, right. The convictions are getting overturned quicker, but also there's cases like this where it's like 40 years of your life wasted. And there's many, many other cases like that. So many. I mean, the crazy thing to me that I just, my brain cannot process is like, despite the informant's admission that, okay, I lied, this wasn't true, and the inconclusive DNA tests, he still remains behind bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, I mean, and there's clear evidence that pot, it, I mean, it pre- presents reasonable doubt. And that's what they're always looking for. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the court actually, despite the informant saying, you know, this isn't true, what I said back then, they dismissed the informant's recantation. And I'm just what? like, what's the purpose of that? <laughs> like, if, if someone comes out years later, I don't think they have any incentive, really, if they come out so many years later and be like, hey, I need to recant what I said. I feel like maybe that's just something that they need to reconcile with themselves. And that's why they're coming out and saying this wasn't true. Mm. But for the court to completely dismiss it, that I mean, that obviously puts Elam in a very tough situation and kind of leaves him with very few legal options to fight this. But I mean, he still has hope and his parole hearing is coming up in April. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely be following that because I, I hadn't heard of this story until you brought it up. But I want to follow. I love following those stories because eventually, you know, there's a big verdict and you kind of sometimes they get overturned and then seeing them live their lives outside is always really interesting. I know. Me too. I'm going to definitely keep track of this because this was the first time I heard about it. That's the crazy thing. Yeah, same, same. Okay, let's get into some rapid fire. This one had me floored, okay? (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if you've heard of the Houston area oxtail thief. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is so Houston though. I mean, it really is. (laughs) So bizarre. Stealing oxtail is like so, such a Houston thing. (laughs) I don't get it. So this man, 31 years old, Robert Stevenson, along with 32-year-old Cornelius Davis, stole 18 packages of raw meat from Houston and Katy grocery stores. Now, Rosenberg police are the ones that found him. And so they're saying that this actually is not the first time that this meat thief has struck. And that's the crazy thing is they found him with like beefsteak, oxtail, brisket, like a bunch of different meats. And I'm just like, what do you do with it? Are you reselling it? Are you consuming all of it? Because that's a lot of meat. Is he about to have a big barbecue? I don't know. Like, what's about to happen? <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> Apparently, this meat was all valuing more, like over $500, which is wild. It's crazy. And I want to know what grocery stores he's able to pull this off in. Because I just can't yeah. imagine you do- getting away with this in H-E-B or Kroger or any of those big grocery stores. But, I mean, it seems like he's getting away with it. So, Well, I mean, he actually... <laughs> His list of uh, targets included H-E-B and Walmart and Food Town. Wow. Wow. That's like, you're stealing meat out of H-E-B. What are you doing? (laughs) 
Where are you going? Where is the, what are you, what are you doing with all the meat? Yeah. And apparently months ago, he was caught with 46 packages of raw oh meat God. stolen. Where Again, it's so Houston, though, like oxtail, I feel like, or chitlins. <laughs> like, that's like, what are you? He's having a cookout. That's what's happening. He's having He's a cookout. Be. <laughs> and he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to spend the cash on these cookouts. So <laughs> I know the sad part is like when you get caught with all of this, I mean, they're going to throw this meat away, right? They're, they're yes. obviously not going to go back to the grocery store. No, no. So he's just wasting perfectly good meat. That we could be having. We need more oxtails. We need more chitlins, more brisket. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. This is a wild story. I mean, they've got like theft charges on and there's more charges pending to both of them. So I actually want to keep up with this because I'm just like, I hope there's more to the story. And I hope they come out and actually give us a reason as to why they're stealing all this meat and what they're doing it with it. Because I really would like to know, what are you doing with all this meat? I agree. Where is it going? We 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 would like to know because we're always hungry here at CityCast and we want our meat. So <laughs> if it's being wasted, we want to know. I have a problem. Yeah, that's when I have a real problem. If you're wasting the meat, I've got a problem with that. <laughs> okay. Now, USPS delays. We have been keeping up with this story. It's insane. Have you heard about the reason behind why these two processing centers are a complete disaster? So explain it to me because I've just been hearing that mail's been delayed and I want to know why. Oh my God. So it hasn't just been delayed. It's been piling up like crazy. (laughs) So there was a special story on KHOU where they actually interviewed a postal worker who remained anonymous. Naturally, makes sense. Yeah. And this is a postal worker who you can kind of rely on because they've worked there for over 30 years. And they were saying that there's this key piece of equipment that's missing. And it's a new parcel sorting machine that needed to be installed during peak season. So like the holidays, when you know everyone's shipping out stuff to get around to family or relatives, whatever it is. And it wasn't installed because it couldn't fit. And so they said they had to remove two other big machines to try to get it to fit. And still it couldn't fit into the facility, which meant they were left without this big parcel sorting machine, which also entailed that there's this big disaster that they just can't seem to get a solution for. This postal worker also said they brought in different employees to help sort the mail, but it still didn't do what the machine could do because they only have so much manpower. They only have so much ability that they could could do with employees to be able to sort sort the mail. They need this machine. And without it, it's just not going to happen. And he believes that this could take months Oh my gosh, that's really scary. So there's just mail that can't be sorted and people are just having to hand sort. I mean, we're in a a city of 4 million plus people. Mm -hmm. So I can, if that's already giving me a lot of concern. I also Mm -hmm. was thinking about how this time of year for mail is really important because of taxes. People are waiting on, you know, W-2s or waiting on important Mm -hmm. mail And when I read this story, that's what I was thinking. Like, I wonder if there's going to be those kind of documents not coming when they should come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of rough, honestly. I don't know what's going to happen, but it makes me not want to use the USPS 
at all until this I is mean, like resolved. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but going to the post office is one of the most stressful, yes. dreaded tasks that I just <laughs> avoid because every time I go there, I'm in a bad mood. Maybe I'm not coming in there in a bad mood, but I yeah. leave. It's like going to the DPS office. And so I can only imagine what it's like now. People hand sorting mm-hmm. mail for like thousands of Houstonians. Definitely not a place that I want to be <laughs> in the mm-hmm. next few months. Definitely not. I don't know how this is going to end if they don't figure out how to get this machine in because this postal worker clearly said it's not the extra employees that we need. It's this machine. That's the solution. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're going to have to get this. I think they're going to have to speed track this quicker than some months because I don't know what people are going to do if they start missing important mail like for taxes. Yeah, I think they'll just get angrier and angrier yeah. <laughs> and can't blame them, really. <laughs> no, <Unfortunately>. yeah. <laughs> okay, the next story is, it kind of has me on the fence. And we've heard something like this before, but it's how HISD is considering four options for lengthening the 2024-2025 school year. And they're looking at starting classes earlier. So that's between August 7th, 12th, or 14th. I don't know how I feel about this. I feel like school is starting earlier and earlier. And Mm -hmm. it just, I hate that because I remember, honestly, when I was growing up, school, summer did feel really long and it felt like I could enjoy all the days. But just for school to start earlier, I'm like, kind of, you know, what's the mindset behind this? What are they thinking this is going to improve? They're going to think that, obviously, having kids in for longer time, it's going to end up improving their ability to learn and it won't feel so short and rushed, which I don't know if I really stand by that reasoning. Yeah, because I think kids need the break. I think that's why, you know, there are those breaks put in like you need that rest time, you need that recharge time, and it does help you learn more. And also the teachers need it. I mean, growing up with the mom as a teacher, Like she was able to have those summer breaks and I know she really used it as a time to recharge from the school year Mm -hmm. and even start planning for the next school year. But there was just more time even to plan because if school starts August 7th, then that means Mm -hmm. teachers could be going back as early as late July. You know, I mean, that makes their summers even shorter. So, uh, you know, I think that they can find kind of a, a compromise in the middle. Yeah, I really hope so. I mean, they've asked this is which is really positive is that they're actually asking parents for options, like kind of weigh in on this decision. I don't know if it's really going to be an official set decision, how parents are they going to be like, yeah, actually that's better for me. You know, I don't have to think about what to do with my kid. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like that's just too much. You know, already teachers are burning out students themselves. Like there's only so much you can consume in a school day, let alone a school year, before you really burn out. And like you said, it's like a good reset, a good recharge. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that they listen to parents' input. Because um, I think some parents, you know, would benefit from having that, like, you know, having school in session earlier because then they don't have to figure out childcare and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I also think it just seems like a lot of students, like you said, are experiencing so much burnout. There's mental health issues among teachers and students. Yeah, and I think a lot yeah. of that has to do with being overworked and having um, a lot more responsibilities in the classroom. Mm-hmm. 
And, it, you know, Superintendent Mike Miles has said that teachers would be compensated for, obviously, the extension of the school year, but he hasn't really specified exactly how much. And we know that teacher pay has been, like, at the center of a lot of HISD drama. So I don't know. Is it going to be competitive enough and appealing enough to where teachers will be all on board with it? And they'll just be like, you know what, it's fine. This makes up for it. Or is it going to be something that's disappointing? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, who knows? I'm keeping my fingers crossed that they can not have an early start time because that just makes me sad. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's talk and move on to our segment that we do on occasion, which is Ask Seen on Reddit. And this was a thread that had me rolling laughing. And it's titled, What's Something That's Normal in Houston But Seems Weird to Outsiders? Okay, I'm going to read you this list. (laughs) And I want you to tell me, accurate or not accurate, okay? Okay. First one is traveling an hour by car while staying within city limits. Oh, so normal. I so mean, normal. it's just like, and why do we accept this? We're just like, yep, we're like going to be in the car for the next hour. It's fine. Even though we're not even traveling that far. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. I felt personally attacked by this one because of my family, but full living room set set up in the garage. We all have that. <laughs> why, felt, like, that? why am I getting called out? <laughs> Why is that a thing? I think it's also reminds me of growing up like in my childhood and just going from people's like from garage to garage, just like hanging out, like just like, you know, everything's there. Like there's a TV, there's like games. It's like all of that stuff in the garage. It's like a whole living room. And then, you know, in the summer, the garage is probably like 150 degrees and we're still just like hanging out in the garage. I mean, it's open. You've got a fan. So it's like somewhat, somewhat better. And then, you know, everyone's got a garage fridge. So hit up the freezer for popsicles. That's like the thing. Oh, my gosh. Why is that such a Houston thing? That is so weird. (laughs) I don't know who started it or why we do it, but I'm not (laughs) hating. I love it. (laughs) All right. When you take someone to the airport, knowing that they will probably get home before you do. (laughs) How real is that? Oh, my gosh. That is so real. (laughs) I feel like this is why I, like, hate doing the pickup or even like drop off for someone for the airport, like even taking them home after the airport, because it's like this whole trip could take as long as your flight to get here, like us getting back to your side of Houston from the airport. And then, yeah, they probably will get home before I do, because by the time I get out of that long line, Mm -hmm. get onto the freeway, make it to my side of town. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I hate airport. It is the worst. (laughs) And I know we've talked about this and debated it so much. I think Raheel and I were the uh, on the side of you have to pick up a person and drop them off. And I think you and Carly were like, no, 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 Uber. Send yeah, them oh, Uber. To- Uber, Uber, like totally. <laughs> we're not I mean, dealing with that. <laughs> you know I love you if I'm picking you up from the airport. Like that is some <laughs> true love right there. And if I don't, it's like, it's just Uber, Uber, please. <laughs> exactly. Okay, this last one, I would be worried if you didn't know where this term came from. But using the term slime in the ice machine. Oh, I know it. 1,000% right? Marvin Zindler. Marvin Zindler. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's just like, but it does show your age. So I feel it like <laughs> there's like a certain cutoff where people are like, who is Marvin Zindler? And that would make me actually audibly gasp if you asked yes. who Marvin Zindler He's was. He's a legend. Yes. My God, we used to gather around and literally watch and take notes and be like, all right, we are not going there. That's disgusting. Yes. Ew, <laughs> nasty. Don't eat there. Yeah, <laughs> It was the best. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. He is a legendary TV reporter from ABC 13 for anybody who does not know who Marvin mm-hmm. Sindler is. And he used to do this like restaurant report card type of situation and tell you where to eat and not eat because they <laughs> yeah. probably had slime in their ice machine. Not literally, oh, sometimes literally, but most of the time it's that they're nasty <laughs> and not clean. And then I just remember his like drag out of Eyewitness News, Marvin oh, Zindler, Eyewitness yeah. News. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is like a Houstonian call. I feel like you could say that to anybody over a certain age and they would know. Exactly. <laughs> I miss him. It was really cool. <laughs> also wore sunglasses like all the time. Yes. Yes. I was, I was like, like how did he how can he do that on TV? That's what I was always wondering. Yeah. It's because he's Marvin Zindler. Like he's he just can good. do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke, this was so much fun. Thanks for uh catching up and going down memory lane with Marvin yes. Zindler. This was a lot oh of fun. Gosh. I had a blast. Thanks for having me. That was Brooke Lewis. If you have yet to subscribe to our newsletter, go do it now. As always, all the stories we talk about are in our show notes. That'll do it for today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. Raheel will be back in your ears tomorrow.